Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a long-awaited episode of Swings and Mishes. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined, as always, by Craig Mish here in 2021. Craig, we are here with a brand new Swings and Mishes. How are you doing here at the start of 2021? I'm very well, Jeremy, and uh, happy 2021 to everyone. I guess it's better late than never as we close out the month of January. A couple of things before we start. This is our 100th episode of Swings and Mishes, and uh, rather that we, we we basically had a chance to get Mike Trout on to celebrate the 100th uh, edition, but we declined, and uh, and we just pressed on from there. Um, also, congratulations to you, Jeremy, on your new job over uh, at. Uh, I, I got to be clear on this. Exactly, you'll ha- you'll have to tell me what the new name for the the affiliate here is, is here regionally, because it seems like that's that's yeah, been yeah. up in the air a bit. But either way, you've worked so hard through the years to really establish yourself in this market, and you've done a phenomenal job. So so happy that you're going to be able to stay with me here doing this podcast here on Swings and Mishes. We honestly could not do it without you. But congratulations. Uh, on your new job, covering everything here in South Florida. Well done. Thanks so much, Craig. I, I really, truly, truly appreciate that. And you know I would not be able to have gotten that job without doing all of this with you and learning from you and, and working alongside you. So I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to be able to continue with Swings and Mishes as well. So excited to be out covering the Marlins and Heat and Panthers and everybody, but specifically excited to continue covering Marlins right here. Yeah, and and is it is it Bally's? Is that the is Bally's? Yeah, so it's sports? Um, yeah, yeah. So right now we're still still Fox Sports Florida. Um, okay, still Fox Sports Sun. Um, but it was announced this morning the transition will be uh, to Bally Sports Florida uh, or Bally Sports Sun. Um, I have just about as much information on all of that as okay. anyone listening <laughs> does. Uh, but yes, Bally Sports Sun um, will be the new name of the network uh as we transition away from fox sports florida and fox sports sun um really excited it, it seems like a really cool time honestly to be joining the company and a lot of really fun stuff in the works uh not just the name but all sorts of new stuff coming your way so i'm really looking forward to it so um yeah yeah it's 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 pretty cool well, awesome going. awesome well listen i'll be you know i always follow you there and and now you know, I always follow the Miami Heat too, of course, Florida Panthers, not as much, but now that you're there and, and covering what you are, I will maybe dip my toe into the water this year, which is a complete lie, but either way, <laughs> it sounds good to say it. You're on the podcast. <laughs> well, thanks, Greg. Well, all right. So all that being said, let's go ahead and get into this one. Um, it's been a quiet off season around Major League Baseball for the most part. Um, it's obviously been a pretty quiet off season for the Marlins as well. What are your thoughts on, on sort of what this off season has been like for major league baseball in general? I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on this, uh, knowing, knowing what I know here as we're closing out January and moving into February, which appears to be the new January, as far as signing players is concerned. It's look, I, I, I think in the end you saw George Springer, and you saw JT Real Muto, and I do think in some way you'll see Trevor Bauer be compensated and properly compensated for who they are as as players and and even as people, I, I suppose, especially as it pertains to Springer and uh, and JT. But the reality is is that both of of those players and and even Bauer and some others obviously could have potentially made more money had we not been going through 
what we are right now as a country and right um and 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 as baseball is has to be extremely careful in 2021 in particular about giving out massive contracts when you simply don't know if you're going to have fans for a period of time April May June I do think at some point fans will be back I just can't say it'll be April or May right now and that's going to hurt finances yet again but I I think that Perhaps the most disturbing part for me of this, and and I don't know if that will change next year, is the lack of competition for these players, where we're hearing and seeing the same handful of teams in on all of these players. Mm. And it is always the Yankees, right? But it is the Padres and the White Sox and the White Sox and the Padres and the Padres some more. And then you know we'll 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 move over to um to to another team that's signing players you know and it's just like it's the same group of teams that are real the Blue Jays right it's the same group of teams that are just going for these players the Mets over and over and over again and 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 I think that as an industry that really isn't being talked about enough. There's a reason why you did not hear. 10 teams for George Springer because there were not. There's a reason why you did not hear 10 teams for JT Real Muto because there were not. And we're not even talking about like offers. (laughs) Like we're talking about like not even calling, not even asking on these players. So you have 20 to 25 teams that are not, spending at all and I don't know if it makes me feel better or worse about the Marlins situation but they are among those teams I mean that they are they're among those teams that are not doing any spending that's true can't deny that but I I don't know I don't know if that's a good thing for the sport or if it's just a anecdotal thing for 2021 I, I don't have the answers to that but it is troubling for me as an example to see the Texas Rangers in a brand new ballpark. I have been covering sports for a long time. And I suppose someone who's listening to this podcast is going to tweet at me and tell me, but I can't ever remember a situation where a team is moving into a brand new ballpark with essentially a last place team in their division and not Mm. even trying. It is, Mm. I mean, to me, that's stunning. Even when the Marlins opened up their new ballpark many years ago, they were trying to get Pujols, trying to get getting all these guys signing, you know, Jose Reyes and do it. And I'm not saying that was the right move, but that's kind of the rite of passage. You get a new stadium and then you you bring some players in to make everybody excited. What I mean, very good. I mean, what are they doing? Like, like this is acceptable. You get a new stadium and you just are going to be like, all right, yeah, we'll do nothing. We'll just uh, let Lance Lynn go and. You know, roll out Rugnet Odor again and Elvis Andrews. Yeah, sounds good. Like, I mean, it is wild to me to think that that is happening, Jeremy. And that goes for all sports. I don't ever recall this. And I'm sure it's happened. And I'll probably be wrong on this one. But, um, and not to throw the Rangers directly under the bus, but kind of am here. Like, where where are all these teams doing things? They're not. So, Marlins are in that category. No doubt about it. Can't argue it. Can't say anything different about it. We can certainly get into it a little bit more here on the podcast, what they're doing, what they're up to, what they're thinking, that's for sure.
Gosh, well, it's a really good point you make about the Rangers where they're just a symptom of the emblematic problem across Major League Baseball, and really when you think about it, across all of sports. But one move that the Marlins did make this offseason is they did sign Anthony Bass, the Blue Jays' closer, led the team with seven saves. What are your thoughts about this guy competing on the back end of that bullpen, Craig? Yeah, no, I I think that this was a very creative, interesting move that the Marlins made, which as of us recording it is not yet official. So uh, I'm I'm supposing that that will be very soon. It, it's kind of coincidental that uh, Brad Hand, it took a few days for that deal to be made official for the Nationals too. I, I believe, I had heard from a couple of people that uh, Bass was a possibility for Washington too. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Miami got that done and and then Washington went ahead and and got Brad Hand. I don't know if one had to do with the other, but smart by Miami at least to grab him if that is the case because, boy, the last thing we want to see is more more players added to other teams in the National League East. It's just getting... Oh my! It's God. just getting crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it is. It's getting crazy. But but yeah, bat, Bass could close. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I could definitely see that from my discussions and 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 still talking to people and and kind of sources, understanding what the Marlins' plan is. Is that I am convinced that another uh, late inning arm is coming. Convinced on that. Don't know who. Don't know where. Don't know how. Didn't even Bass was not on my radar. Anybody who follows me that knows that I've been throwing out names. Never threw his name out once. Did break the story, but didn't know that 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 was a possibility. And I, and I think that the Marlins get honestly a plus for that one. Two year deal. Uh, I I had heard some of the money was backloaded there. I'm not sure on that. It's not a ton of money, but I heard a little bit of it at least was backloaded, which makes sense. Every deal right now in baseball is being backloaded or deferred. It's just part of a part of what's going on. He could pitch the eighth. He could pitch the ninth. Hold some value for 2022 if they decide to go that route. But make no mistake about it. I personally, in my opinion, don't think anyone in the organization believes that the bullpen they have right now, as it stands, is complete. I still think that they believe there's more work to do. And my guess is, at the very minimum, one more high leverage arm is uh, is built in, and then you have your uh, Yimi Garcia along with someone else and Bass as your sort of seventh, eighth, and ninth. We've talked about this so many times here on the podcast. We'll go into the season. We will ask the skipper about his closer. He will say that there will be multiple options, and he will you know, go with the best option at the time, and then the skipper will use the same guy over and over in the ninth inning. This is, this is, that's how we know baseball seasons here. That's how we know (laughs) it's when we ask Don Mattingly, who's your closer. And he doesn't give us an answer. And he doesn't give us an answer and says, there'll be multiple options. We could go with a number of guys. Certainly this guy has experience that guy. And and look, Donnie uses one guy. He likes to let the bullpen know what their role is, what they're expected to do. No. And and you know what? For the most part, it's worked. The ninth inning has worked for the Marlins. It really has. Uh, So, so, so that's where we're at. I would expect, Jeremy, someone else to be brought in as well. Yeah, the way the bullpen's shaking out, Bass seems to be a really good addition. And I'll be honest, it, it seems like a real team-friendly deal with the way some of that money is backloaded for Anthony Bass. So a, a, a needed addition to the bullpen. Um, moving toward how everyone will be watching these Marlins games when the time does come, obviously the Marlins have not struck their TV deal yet. Uh, the irony of announcing that I'm with Fox Sports Florida now, and you probably have more information on this front than I do about the Marlins TV deal. Um, wh- what are you hearing in regard to the Marlins and their upcoming television deal as, as their recent one just expired? Well, a couple of days ago, Barry Jackson in the Herald sort of outlined 
a kind of what's going on. And I, and I can basically, I mean, I hate to confirm what other people do. I find that so odd that everybody confirms yeah. everybody else. Like, okay, thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah, why not just share the information? So I guess I'll do the same thing. I can confirm this Barry Jackson report as if you needed my confirmation for a great reporter like Barry. But I, I think I, I think that this is the plan. I think this is the plan. And again, this is my conjecture and speculation. I think there's a strong possibility, uh, as as Barry mentioned, and I don't I don't know how I, I forget how in depth he went on this, but my guess guess will underline, circle, and stamp it is that the Marlins are going to get a little creative here, and the smart thing to do would be to look at the TV deal and say, my gosh, we are in a bad spot. We do not have any leverage here, but we want our games on TV. So how do you get it done? Well, one way, as Barry mentioned, is to take your ball and go somewhere else. That's not an option. Not an option. Uh, There is not going to be another option that's better than uh, just basically putting the games on television. I do think streaming is the future, and I am streaming every day on my Sports Grid show, so I know that. But I, I think for pre-games and post-games and coverage, you need to be on, on some sort of cable satellite outlet where everyone can see you. So I think the Marlins have recognized that. Another thing potentially that they've recognized is that there's a chance that this TV deal will be really good in a year or two, right? Like I think that there's a chance. It's not going to be right now. It just can't. I don't know that I hold the Marlins accountable for that. Maybe... They should have not waited forever to, like, get this done and a better deal could have been had. And and maybe that's a possibility. I mean, this has been going on for I don't know how many years. Maybe that is what should have been done as opposed to waiting. But given the predicament that they're in now and the season is starting in a little bit over a month and spring training starts in a few weeks, perhaps the best thing to do, Jeremy, is to do a one-year deal or a two-year deal and then go right back to the bargaining table. Baseball players do it. They call it pillow contracts. Maybe this TV contract is a pillow contract where they don't come to a long-term deal, but they come to a short-term deal. They play out the season. Marlins have a good year, whatever the year is. They go back to Sinclair in a year or two and say, hey, look at us. Look at our viewership. Look at our team. And look at the landscape of the country. COVID's gone. Let's do a different deal. I think that's probably a smart way to go about it. And I think that that's potentially the route that they're headed. Looking forward to that deal being done. That's my comment on this one. Uh, on uh, In terms of uh, other things and other rumblings that you've heard, whether it be free agency or otherwise, we heard Yasiel Puig's name be brought up recently on social media. Is there anything else that you're hearing around the Marlins right now that, that the fans can get a little inside look at from behind the scenes? Sure. Let's update all of these one by one. Okay, so on, on the Wilson Contreras front that I reported going back a month ago, I do think that there is interest there. I think at this point, from my understanding, there is a low probability of that deal getting done. Hmm. It just, the, the Cubs are kind of in a, in a weird spot. They have a lot of huge salaries on, on their board. Do they want to attach a guy like Contreras? Do they want to trade and get the best prospects back for Contreras? Nobody seems to know the answer there, and nobody knows for sure if they're going to move him or not. Now that Real Muto has been uh, signed, I, I would guess that people could look at Contreras and say, wow, like he is comparable to JT, not the same player, but perhaps we can get him instead of getting JT. That, that possibility does exist. 
But from what my understanding is, this deal did not go very far. In terms of Andrew Benatendi, a little bit different. I had heard a little bit more progress on that front where where, where there were some discussions there. Maybe the, the Red Sox feeling like there was a chance that they could do this deal, liking some of the players that are on the Marlins, uh, young players, uh, position players too, maybe a two-for-one or a three-for-one type deal of players that the Marlins have excess of that they could afford to give to Boston. And I think that it would be interesting to see if that could happen. Nobody knows this, but I can tell people now, and I'm sorry, Andrew, if you're listening to the podcast, but at one point it was funny, Andrew Benatendi liked one of the tweets that I had and unliked it pretty quickly. I don't know what happened there, but I noticed it. <laughs> uh, 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 and uh, you couldn't notice it unless you were looking now. And so, look, I, I, don't, I don't know if that really means anything. Uh, I don't want to read too far into it. I think we go a little too far with the social media stuff sometimes. But I, I think that that trade has more legs than the other one. And we still have time on that one. I, I, don't, I don't think that there's some pressure to get a deal done. And, and Boston seems like they have some things to do, too. So I'm giving more of a shot on the Ben Nittany deal, although I have not heard anything in a week, and I've checked in on that. And then Raku Batko, who I've known for, I don't know, 20 years from Mass and Sports, on the Orioles posted an interesting column about how Miami had talked to Baltimore about outfielder Anthony Santander. I have no update there other than what you've read. Uh, needless to say, as I said uh, back to somebody who asked me, I think I was talking to Rock about this actually on Twitter, is that the Marlins have now done two deals with the Orioles over the course of a year. It's not unusual for two teams to make two deals, but it is worth noting. Uh, my, my intel and, and my sources have told me that the two teams work very well together. They both were, they were happy, both sides, with the deals that they uh, constructed. Each side has felt that they were fair deals and were happy with the return that they got, both in the VR trade and the Blyer trade. And, and I know that Miami was also interested in other players in Baltimore at the time. So I, I, wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out that they make three trades in a year. But at the same time, Jeremy, at this point, as we're doing the podcast, I have no information that that trade has any traction whatsoever. I know that's going to upset some people, but got to call it what it is. I think a lot of these deals get started. The discussion gets started, but it never really gets off the ground. That could be where, where this is at as well. Okay, Yasiel Puig. I don't know how many times I got to do this here, but I guess we'll do it one more time. <laughs> Yasiel Puig is probably one of the most understood players in baseball. Very kind, very charitable, has a wild horse foundation that donates money to underprivileged kids. This guy is fantastic. And, and for Don Mattingly, arguably in terms of character, up there with the all-time greats in the game, to give an endorsement of Yasiel Puig, you know that this that this is a good person and you know that that some of the things are misunderstood that's the good here's the bad this guy's had three agents in three years the marlins offered puig a lot of money last Hmm. year okay they offered him dickerson type money really didn't even call them back didn't even go to the bargaining table like marlins are like what's going on like you interested are you not interested can we talk Marlins are like, we're not going to wait anymore. Like, well, let's just sign Corey Dickerson. Yeah, yeah of course. I, I can't say the same thing is happening now. He has new representation. But I am I, I am of the opinion that the Marlins are not interested at all. So it's just, it's kind of like sometimes people are, are great people, 
but they're very difficult to work with. Mm. And I think that the second uh, agent, uh, Puig's previous agent, this was this was a situation where I think it was a very mutual parting of the ways where where they just, you know, Puig wanted to leave the agent. The agent didn't want to have anything to do with Puig. This is the third time already. So I, I think Puig needs to sign with someone and do it fast and, and reclaim the value that he had previous to all of this. This guy didn't play at all last year. And Puig is not 38 years old sitting out like Ryan Zimmerman. He's still a relatively young player and, and needs to get his value back. I do not think it happens in Miami. I think they went down the road last year. I don't think they are down the road this year. I have not heard uh, from my sources one thing on Yasiel Puig this offseason. So as of now, I got to move on from that. Things could change very quickly. That's just what I've heard. Well, anyone listening knows that this is the place to be when it comes to info on any of these players, on any moves when it comes to the Marlins. So whether it's Contreras or Benatendi or Santander or Puig, this is the place to be on that information. And it, it feels fitting that we're here on episode 100 and we would talk about JT Real Muto yet again, considering a couple winter meetings ago, we had what, four or five straight podcasts on JT Real Muto. But Craig, you broke the news of JT's record-breaking contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. I would love to hear your thoughts on, number one, how that came to be, but number two, on JT getting this level of money in this contract. No secret that that JT and I go back to the Marlins days of, of him playing here. It would be foolish for me to not acknowledge that uh I, I mean come on let's let's i mean I, I guess some people would would just you know make the assumption that i wouldn't be transparent about that but but it is true uh i i don't i don't fleet a lot i did <laughs> fleet something uh, i've i think i've done three or four on, on jt he is one of the best players that i've covered in 25 years of covering major league baseball Uh, one of the hardest working players that's ever wore a uniform for the Marlins, the most intelligent, arguably one of the most intelligent, uh, class act, great family person, just someone that everybody should have in their organization if you can. And the the, the irony of this whole situation is is this. I I know that that the Marlins uh, did at the time try to extend JT. What is crazy about this whole thing, as it has played out, there's no doubt that there were other teams that were interested in JT Real Muto, but in my opinion, it is shameful, shameful that you literally could have 20 plus teams to not even make a call on the player. Like to me, it's just... I, I, I don't I don't maybe I'm off with this sort of stuff, but I would think as a general manager or assistant general manager or president of baseball operations that at the point on January 26th, when the player is not signed, that you would check that you would just call and say, hey, like, man, this guy is still not signed. What are the chances that we get JT here on a two year deal or a three year deal or even about a one year deal? And Jeremy, it was just not happening, man. Like there was the same teams involved. I, I honestly am flo- and that and that's why you didn't see my and people ask me why didn't you do the percentages on JT? There were no percentages to do. <laughs> they really were not. Crazy. Yeah, they they really were not. The, the same teams that everyone saw reported were the ones that were interested, and that was it. And as it turns out, without getting into too much of this, and I will in the future, 
as it turns out, in the end, the offer that the Marlins made to JT Realmuto to extend him in 2018, in the end, was as or more aggressive than anyone else in Major League Baseball outside of the Phillies. I mean, that is some statement to make right there. Wow. I got to get more of the specifics in the end. We're still fresh off this. But you, at this point, even though the Marlins were among those 20 teams that never even picked up the phone this time around, they did not. They they did have, as it turns out, one of the more, if not the most aggressive offers to get JT signed. A, a, a completely dropped ball, in my opinion, by at least half of the league. Very, very sad for me on this one. Congratulations, JT. Uh, I should probably have started with that and then gotten to this. I'm very, I'm very happy with with what he got. It's it's well deserved. He's the highest paid catcher in Major League Baseball. People in the Marlins organization, uh, when he left at the time, had things to say to me that I have never heard about other players that have played for the Marlins, and I mean never in terms of the quality individual that he is. The Phillies are going to get five great years from JT. He even deferred ten million dollars for another few years to make sure that the Phillies could still do business here in 2021. And, uh, and, and the, the team over at CAA, uh, Jeff Berry and his people, I, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, they, they got the highest AAV for a catcher in baseball history. So great job by them as well. Gosh, um, if, if this was a visual medium and people could see what my face looked like when you put in perspective that Marlins extension compared to now, I mean, that's that's really, really shocking when you really when you when you when you take a step back and you look with kind of a bird's eye view and you look at how this all ultimately ultimately went down. And now, you know, I'm part part of me is really grateful that JT ended up staying with the Phillies because the whole six and and JT comparison now as we move forward in the NL East will be kind of a fun thing to watch as we move forward as well as that was the obvious exchange um yeah for both sides and, and and look it's not to say that there wasn't a team or a couple of teams that weren't aggressive sure. but for me when it comes down to it and, and I brought up the Texas Rangers, you know, like if you're the Texas Rangers, like how are you not calling and offering JT Realmuto six million and one hundred and twenty million dollars? Like, how is that not happening? Right. If, if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you're, you want to bring back Yadier Molina, maybe. How, how are you not calling JT Realmuto and saying, hey, man, like 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 just just hey, what what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Right. What does it look like? Like, what's where are we at? Is there a way? And, and it, and it is, and that just, and and I think that for people who have been very down on the Marlins, that should put things in perspective a little bit overall, that while we should not high five and say, yeah, Marlins, you're among those teams that are not spending, like it kind of puts it in perspective for me, like, wow, really? Like no one is doing anything this off season. So I think the Marlins still have some more work to do, Jeremy. I don't I don't know what that's going to be. I, I know we've heard we need a bat. We need a reliever. Like, that's what uh, Kim Eng, the general manager, said. And, and one of those, I think, three things have been accomplished. And, and maybe in a week or two, we'll hear more that there are other players uh, of interest. You know that I will be on top of it. Uh, just so people know, a week from Monday after the Super Bowl, I am taking my first one week off since all of this has started. 
So I'll still have news and I'll still, I'm, you know, taking the week off from sports grid and I don't think we'll have a podcast that week. I would, I would guess too, but yeah, I mean, it is, it has really been time. I, I planned actually to take a lot of time, but uh, you know, sports grid, my, uh, my TV show slash radio show, we, we needed content on the air during all this time. And so I kind of, <laughs> I deferred my vacation time, you know, to, to that. So I'll, I'll still be on top of it. We'll have uh, more uh, personal news for me soon. So you'll want to stay tuned to that. There's some good stuff coming for, for some of you there. Also some hey, potential hey. stuff for swings and misses for the 2021 season two. And as we uh, close it out, I also want to send a shout out to a young podcaster and fan of swings and misses, Isaac Edelman, who I know that I uh, have chatted with a couple of times and I, I really want Isaac to come on our podcast. I'm hoping for the next episode to do that. We just haven't done one in so long. I wanted to make sure we got all of this out of the way, but there are some really good fans of what we do here and fans of the podcast. And I want to make sure that I acknowledge them here at the end. And uh, thank you for making this such a successful run for us for a hundred episodes. We, Hope to do another 100 over the next year or two. Absolutely, we do. Swings and Mishes fans, you know where to find us, at Craig Mish, at Jeremy Taché, at Swings and Mishes, across all platforms. Thank you for listening to us for 100 episodes, and we look forward to being back for episode 101 sometime very, very soon. 